Hey Kubilai, welcome to the show. Hey Romeo, how are you buddy? Good. Welcome guys to the Revenue Ops and ABN alignment. Today we have Kubilai, old friend of mine, directly from Istanbul now, waiting for the Champions League game with Galatasaray and Bayern München. But other than a fan of Galatasaray, being very excited about Galatasaray, what else are you excited about Kubilay being VP of Revenue at Insider? First of all, I'm very excited about Galatasaray. Let's, <laughs> let's underline this one more time, Romeo. It's very important. That's going to be our ch- third Champions League game this season. And we already won away game at Manchester uh, two weeks ago. Uh, so I'm looking forward to today's game to beat the unbeatable uh, Bayern München. Uh, other than this, as VP of Revenue and inside of what I do, uh, obviously as another revenue function at another SaaS business out there, uh, we have multiple revenue layers out there. First of all, new, uh, new revenue team, meaning our commercial team as let it be uh, salespeople, account executive, as well as account directors that is taking care of the existing revenue as to grow it further. Then also a retention layer, during the retention layer, at the retention layer, we have our customer success team. So I'm working with them. Plus, on top, of course, we have our very beautiful and amazing marketing team uh, to do field marketing as well as digital dimension. So I work very closely with them to make sure that we are getting inside where it deserves to be. And that's very much my role, sir. So, so basically, VP of Revenue handles all the streams of revenue that you can get in Insider, right? Correct. So we are talking about marketing, sales, and retention, which is in other teams called customer success, right? Yes. But in reality, the 60% of my time is with our existing clients to make sure that they are happy, they are successful, and they are doing amazing things with insiders. So all the fancy things behind, I, I would <laughs> say it is as to make sure that I am on the plane seeing customers, uh, making sure that we make them happy and successful. Okay, so as VP of Revenue, you have also Revenue Ops uh, under you, or how, the, how is it organized? Mm, no, as with the definition of self, I'm responsible for the revenue. When it comes to Revenue Ops, it is under our Revenue Ops organization. Okay. Um, and that's the organization actually that we are scaling quite, quite. I would say not necessarily fast, but there, there has been some developments that we understood that Revenue Ops ne- needs to be an, a bit of an extended function. Uh, previously, that started as for us for Sales Ops, and mostly as to make sure that uh, we we give the right deals, right discounts, and making sure that everything is streamlined on the seasons. Then we realize there is a need of having a, having the department to have a bigger scope. So we grow it to be revenue ops right now, and making sure that all the renewals, anything beyond that, is also going through this team. Uh, that plus also they are taking care of customer onboarding uh, that as well. So um, that function grow. Uh, very fast lately in the last six to nine months and one of the I think the fastest scaling team of Insider uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that our home is clean, our customers are happy and they are having a streamlined processes as to come on board, uh, Romeo. Yeah, so before we go and dive into our topic today, which is all about um, the go-to-market um, operating model in, in 2024 and what's left of 2023 in these uh, uncertain times, for our audience, tell us a bit about Insider so we can um, all understand the magnitude and, uh, and, uh, and the, the size of the organization so that we, we can build that authority towards the topics that we will <laughs> talk about, right? Yeah, of course, sure. Definitely. definitely. So as for those that do not know Insider, 
what we do. We help brands, uh, mostly uh, enterprise and high, high end of mid-market brands to personalize their customer experiences. Uh, how do we do this? We ingest data from every customer touchpoint that they are having with the given brand. We use those data points to segment customers. On the back of segmenting those customers, uh, we basically give them channels as to personalize the experiences of those customers. So they drive higher conversion rate, higher lifetime value, higher average order value. Uh, some of our clients from Singapore Airlines to Estelladar, from Estelladar to Samsung, Samsung, Samsung to Adidas to Nike. So those brands are eventually depending on our technology um, to personalize customer experiences. So, so how does it work, Kubi, like, like I am, just to have a use case and, and, and make it really easy to understand. Sure. I am from, um, I don't know, New Balance is one of your clients, mm -hmm. right? As yes, far as correct. I remember. Mm, so New Balance, what uh, New Balance is having, a, obviously, an e-commerce store uh, and mm. also physical stores, right? Uh, are you interacting with both offline and online or how does insider help a new balance in this case sell more online and uh, offline sure since you started new balance conversation so uh, uh, maybe i will answer from the perspective of new balance so it's going to be a Please, bit more of clear course, on the perspective uh, for the listeners out there so the shoe category is one of the most competitive category online i think it's the number one uh, the most bought item on the internet is actually shoes, uh, Romeo, which means that New Balance uh, have multiple challenges. Number one challenge out there, uh, they spend a lot of money on CPC cost as to drive people to come most of the time to product detail pages. It is called PDP in the e-commerce lingo. Mm -hmm. uh, challenge number one, then you spend a lot of money to CPC. The customer click the advertising, they land to do uh, the shoe page. So now I'm knee balance. I spend money on this customer. I bring them to the CPC page. I have one shot, one opportunity, as Eminem says, to convert them. So what we do, first of all, inside understands you come from a CPC company. The mm -hmm. second thing that we understand about you land, you landed to, let's say, knee balance 574 model. And ideally, mm -hmm. we recommend you similar things, maybe with the same color or different color, the models that you might like. Second thing that we know most probably you are comparing your options coming from CPC campaign, right? Uh, so uh, on the back of that, we may want to drive further personalization, uh, further personalization elements on this page as to say, oh, too many other people is looking at that shoe. Popularity or urgency messaging out there. Uh, beyond this, also uh, when it comes to in that given example, we will know the weather condition of the place that you are coming. So we might say that, hey, Romeo, you are coming from Krakow. It looks like it is raining in Krakow. Um, if you are a runner, why don't you click here as to check our running shoes? So mm -hmm. without being very creepy as to make the customers to feel sort of not necessarily you are getting into the, you know, the, the, the uh, like private private life too much, we make sure that we use the context, context of data that we know and we use this data is to personalize. Uh, the, the customer experiences. This is mostly with flying data or what they call as with the behavioral data. This given example of personalization. Second element to that, um, more as what we call uh, the CRM data. CRM data could be if Romeo bought more, you know, the previously from me, I know your shoe size. So I am, I know that you are interested in shoe sizes 43, right? So if I'm showing you any shoe on my product listing page that is not available in your size, you will not like it as a client because you may like this product and you might realize it is out of stock. 
So we can personalize the every page out there knowing that this is your size. This is your gender out there and you are interested in specific, you know, the gender related products out there. But beyond, we can send you emails aligned with the segmentation. We can send you push notification. We can show you product recommendation. We can show you Instagram ads as pushing your custom audience out there. So with your own understanding, Romeo, whatever you can do on the hotspot for B2B companies, <laughs> insider, enable B2C companies on a you know, bigger scale is to personalize customer experiences. Got it, got it. So it's 360 view of that uh, customer and experience. Correct, correct. Got it. Single customer view with the data that you ingest, use the single customer view to segment to do one-to-one -to -one communication or one-to-many so, communication. So that means that... Um, and, I, and I want to be fair for our audience. I, I know you for, uh, for some time now because we were in the same uh, student organization uh, back in the day. And I know that when you, you, you went um, into this startup when you, when you joined them, right? Like they were smaller company how many years ago like eight nine years ago it was right well, nine years ago and just for the official <laughs> recording isaac is the best student organization in the world so <laughs> let's also make sure that your listeners hears that yes <laughs> if you if you want to get entrepreneurs and um, a lot of uh, talented people check them out so you you went into this startup initially um what was the, I, I just want to walk through a little bit the history of the GTM models while, while Insider was growing. Because you saw them, you, you were the guy behind that, um, one of the guys I would say, behind that uh, success and the revenue that uh, Insider had. So walk us through a bit. What was initially the GTM? How did this evolve? And at what stage um, you need a VP of revenue or how, how this position became more important. Mm -hmm. Let me start from the end straight so the customer understand, uh, not customer, sorry, listeners understand. You see, I'm talking to yeah, customers yeah, all the I time. Mean, it's, it's fine, yeah. you, you, you might have some yeah. of them here. Yeah, so maybe what I'm going to say is more on, as where are we as insider, then I will, I will answer your question as well. Um, what we do is I think a bit more clear. Where are we right now? I think now we start in 2012, fast forward. We raised close to $300 million so far from the investors like Riverwood Capital, Sequoia Capital, um, some of the most well-known venture capitals as well as growth funds out there. Um, and we are more than 1,000 people as of today, actually 1,200. Um, and we have 26 physical offices from US, actually two offices in the US, uh, to Brazil, Brazil to, to London, London to Singapore out there. So we are covering... Uh, the 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 whole world with our with our with our physical offices. Um, how how did we how did I start? My my journey is a bit actually straightforward. I had another Isaac friend that I quite <laughs> love, and one of my best friends out there. And by that time, he was the one of the guys that is uh, by that time starting insider story. So he reached out to me. I was working at Austin Young, and I was looking for a place that. You know, with a similar uh, Isaac thought, as to make an impact, to be part of something small, but um, something bigger piece of the small piece out there. So I jump on the wagon and fast forward, it has been nine years out there. Throughout these nine years, obviously, um, I am employee number 12 
part of the founding team out there. So now as we are uh, 1,200 people, you can understand how much we managed to scale out there. It's, it's, it's at the high end of the SaaS world right now. And we are targeting, of course, obviously, uh, the most probably, uh, um, you know, the IPO mm-hmm. uh, in the upcoming I mean, you are one years. of the unicorns of uh, the Turkish startup ecosystem, right? Because you are all Turkish uh, founders, uh, like the founders are from Turkey, right? They went to yes. uh, London Business School, as far as I researched. And then um, I think you are the most successful startup out there from from Turkey, right? I think Turkey generated some amazing startups on like similar to insider story. I wouldn't like to say maybe we are the, the most successful, but I think I hope that we are the part of this batch. Uh, there is Getir. Uh, they become Decacorn, uh, having, of course, a bit of a struggle lately, maybe because of the market-related conditions. Uh, there is Trangle that become Decacorn, and they've been acquired by Alibaba. We have amazing gaming companies that is developing amazing uh, games uh, that have been acquired uh, f- more than billion dollars sort of valuations out there. So, um, and I like to think that hopefully Insider is part of this batch, but I think we can say that on B2B SaaS and we could be the most successful uh, for sure. Uh, hopefully that somebody else will change this. That's one of our goals as well as to, you know, to grow the community uh, and to show other people that others could do this as well. So, um, but that, that's very much as the status quo today. Cool. So um, you you joined this small company back then. What was the, mm-hmm. the GTM? How did you how did you guys get here? First GTM, there is no GTM. So, <laughs> I think it's as simple as that. I mean, you work very hard and you are hungry for the revenue. Uh, you try to grab everything that you see uh, that you see out there that could eventually utilize the piece of software that you have built uh, to a certain extent, right? So, um, but I think maybe I can uh, the extend it a bit because... But that's a very good point. Know. Sorry, before before you continue. Everyone, and even when we we talk with uh, with clients, it's trying to find that uh, secret sauce, that 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 magic wand, that maybe an agency or some kind of new employee who worked for some magical uh, successful company will bring to them. Um, but it's not like that. You actually need to do the hard work, and and uh, the the single KPI that you need to have initially is time with the customer, right? Like that's what is your single KPI. And um, there is no like uh, automation tools and whatever uh, fancy CRM you have, Salesforce, HubSpot, whatever it is, uh, it's, it doesn't make, doesn't help you, yeah? You can, you can do it with Excel and it's fine. As soon as, as, as you get that time with the customer, right? Like you, you understand their insights, you, you, you really go deep into their needs, their struggles, their frustrations. And if your product, so, and then the second, your product fucking needs to solve their problems. Like there's no such question like, you know all this uh, about their customers, you talk to them, but then your product is shitty. Like, mm, doesn't really work out. I think on our case, our product market fit was very clear already from from the moment that we started. Because um, if I were to extend our GTM and similar to you know what you have said, and let me echo this, I think our very first GTM was working very hard. So there are like 
like my very first three years, um, I think I work at least 16 hours a day for seven full uh, full week, you know, like seven full days of the week out there. And I was, um, so when I come on board, my job was to build our European presence. So I immediately moved to Poland. Mm-hmm. We rented a co-working space mm-hmm. in Warsaw. And I started to basically leave that simply. I was the first to come in and then I was most of the time living after midnight. And then usually what I do in the morning and during the morning, I was doing sales. And after the morning, I was doing customer success. Mm-hmm. And my job was as to, you know, the following day, take a train to Wroclaw, take a train to Krakow out there to make sure that I am with the clients uh, at, the, at the end of the day. But we were calling ourselves as, as to give a bit of an inspiration, I hope, to the listeners out there. We were calling ourselves crocodiles. <laughs> Reason why we were calling ourselves crocodiles back in a day when when we started very little group of insider we were we were really amazed by couple of couple of speeches i think one of them was jack ma uh, 94 if i'm not mistaken uh, but please the listeners do their due diligence and they can check the video later on uh, he's talking to alibaba employees back in a day is is the building team of alibaba he says this is the shenzhen river and the the crocodile is the strongest animal in, in the river. If you were to go to ocean, try to compete with the, the well-funded American companies, there is no way that we will be able to beat them. And because they are better funded, they are different. This is our Shenzhen River and we need to be the crocodiles uh, here as the strongest animal in the river out there. Um, we find a lot of inspiration in that as to be very savvy. A, uh, with our money, because not necessarily we were most well-funded. So then the strategy is Blue Ocean vs. Red Ocean. Red Ocean to go bigger market, uh, TAM, you know, total addressable market, but higher competition. B, Blue Ocean, uh, less competition, but smaller uh, total addressable market. Um, so our go-to-market back in the day is to go to Blue Ocean, uh, not spend a lot of money, get someone like me as to work very hard, to build the presence, acquire the very first logos and make sure that with more revenue coming in, then we are scaling the team further. So if you look at the way that we grow insiders, very first market that we start to operate is, for example, Poland in Europe, then Vietnam in Asia, Indonesia in Southeast Asia, all those markets that you will not think others will go because it's very complex for them and hard to navigate. Mm-hmm. Yet for us, we grow up in very complex environments. <laughs> so for us, you know, this is our life. Uh, I always say when you are crossing the street in, 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 in places that we are born, you look at right first and left first and right first before the traffic light, even if it is, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, the green, you still look at left, right one more time. You are always careful of the complexity of life. You need to be, you know, like uh, paying attention to the details, should operate in sort of crowded places in a complex and chaotic environment. Mm-hmm. We are very used to that. That I think enabled us a lot as to build insider in, I would say, blue oceans back in the day, which have become red ocean later on because more we penetrate, more competition started to come to those markets. But that also enabled us to be very savvy with our money and uh, further grow the business that, that we love and that, that, that we want to take to the next level, Romeo. Okay, so so 
that's that's a very good insight that, that uh, focusing focusing on markets that others don't go after and that's one thing but how did you guys do it like it was it was a lot of it was the conferences uh, channel or it was more like outreach it was the cold emails what was the initial um, GTM that you or all of them yeah um, so usually our approach is very very outbound heavy as insider mm-hmm. um, and our motto is make it easy for people to buy you mm-hmm. so this is very important um, what do I mean by that that is, of course, have something to do with the product that you have built, making it easy for them to buy you, is to integrate, is to get it up and running. And we do many things on that front, but equally the same on the commercial front. We give a lot of free proof of concepts. Um, we basically make it super easy to integrate inside. It's beyond free proof of concept. We are very careful with the contracts by that time that we were offering to the people. as not to make it commitment heavy, but more as impact heavy. So... Our very first motto was to make it very easy for people to buy you. And that was with our sales decks as well. So we understood that we are the pioneers of personalization in those regions that we are going. When I say personalization, personalization of customer experiences. Not necessarily they've been exposed to this concept before. Usually we are the market starter out there. So we need to be very deductive in the way that we are explaining our technology. So it's less talking about the tech, more about the use cases than the use cases that it can achieve. So I think we, we adjusted the way that we operate in those markets with the specific of those markets in mind with the motto of making it easy to get insider on board. So you, were, you guys were doing these use cases for each and every client, right? Like And showing them how, how they can use the tool in their use case. Definitely. Every, every like, we had the way of, we call it inside way of preparing to outbound very first days meetings. Um, normally, typical sales cycle nowadays, uh, sales people ask a lot of discovery questions, what they call discovery questions. Then it's usually a qualification meeting for them. Mm-hmm. Then they go to the second meeting yeah. uh, or demo stage is with that preparation in mind. Yeah. With the insider, our approach is a bit different. We say, look, there are many people coming and asking thousand questions to you. Our approach is we come here, we did our gap analysis. We know what you are not necessarily doing today. That requires, of course, these people to spend time out there to make sure that we are signing up to their emails, checking their website, every single technology that they are using and the capabilities of the, of the technologies that they are using today. And we prepare on the back of that what we call gap analysis. So our first meeting is on the use case level, fully personalized based on their brand and the, the gap that we have identified out there. Our key goal, again, is to make it easy f- for them to buy us. If you remember the main motto, that eventually is very much infused every mm-hmm. single behavior of insider commercial team. That's when you book the meeting. Before you book the meeting with the upper layer, um, upper funnel layer, so we have our STRs, right? STRs are prospecting to those people as to deserve their time. I think that is very important. We call it deserving your time. If you want to deserve your time, as you are, let's say now, of course, you are in Poland, so you will understand what I'm saying. If you want to book a meeting with CCC or Ebubuvia, one of the biggest, let's say, e-commerce player out there, they are already getting more than 100 you know, requests as such, sure. maybe on a monthly basis. Do you want to stand out in the crowd and deserve their time? Then you need to show them as what will be the impact of Insider. Or emails are super personalized. So... Uh, or every communication is very super personalized. So this is how we train our SDRs as well. Um, 
then of course on top of it we have multiple layers like digital dimension field marketing to your question is what did we do previously and even at conferences before we go there we go through the list of people coming we know their tech we got or not uh, back in the day when Evernote was great, I was maybe the, one of their best customers is to build everything within Evernote for each and every meeting. Then obviously more they, they couldn't manage this thing, we moved things to more uh, different technologies out there, but we have something called how to get ready um, to engage with any so, so prospect. Could be like, um, if, if you think about um, insiders today, if, if, if insider will start today, right? Um, with a totally different, let's say, technology tech stack and a totally different uh, mod, like penetration in the market and so on. What would mm -hmm. have been different from what you guys did at the beginning? I'm just trying to transition to this idea of what we can do today in the GTM mm -hmm. model um, and next year with this whole uh, economic uncertainties that are happening. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, I don't necessarily want to super confident as to think that we did an amazing job, Romeo. I think by that time, simply what stands us apart, as I said, when you asked what was your GTM, having no GTM but working hard, it was working hard. Most probably, um, that was the thing that brought us uh, here. Um, and we always say in a technology game, that's from uh, the Horowitz, hard, the hard thing about hard things, I think any, every founder should read that book. Um, he says that you know, being in the technology company, it's not about the next month, not the next year. It's about tomorrow. You need to survive. Mm -hmm. So by hard work, we just focus on surviving. And most probably, we did a lot of things that the conjecture required us back in the day. So what I would do different, most probably if that was an option, I will work harder uh, now. Um, but uh, that would be most probably the only thing that is coming to my mind uh, out there, Romeo. Got it. So... In this in this um, years of insider, um, how you, how you guys uh, manage today's uh, you know ecosystem and the whole um, changes in the market? Like how how does mm -hmm. it impact you? How does it impact the GTM? I'm trying to understand what's uh, what's happening with the with today's um, uh, let's say approach because. As you see also online, like I have a lot of clients in, in, in and I, I will just tell you where I'm coming from. Um, in the space that, uh, or the companies that we targeted as an agency in the um, last three, four years, one of them was um, software development companies, right? And mm -hmm. B2B SaaS. In, especially in software development companies, there was a huge demand. Right, like everybody needed developers. So the approach was pure reactive, right? Like I sit back, I'm the cool developer, people need me, so they will come to me, I'm the king, and I will deliver, you know, my coding expertise. Then the war started in Ukraine, then the tech layoffs were there, and we are now in a situation where there are a lot of these companies who laid off a lot of developers and the demand is not there anymore. Now there is yeah. a wake-up call, Kubilai, with these companies. And I, I, uh, 
um, want to say just this analogy because there is also the B2B uh, scenario, but in this situation, it's, it's, I think the, the hit is harder, right? Because they were in a, in, a, in a position where you don't need to do sales, could be like, like no sales, right? Like you just wait for those clutch referrals to come in to those inbound from SEO, uh, software house in Poland, uh, Python uh, developers in Poland and so on. And then you just send them the uh, quotation and that's where we are. So now, challenge is that now on LinkedIn and everywhere, all these companies started to go out there to, to, to work on their marketing, to work on their sales, because if not, they don't survive, right? So this is how it shifted. So I want just to yeah. understand from, obviously a big company like you guys might be hit differently than these guys because it's totally different uh, market and you, you, you were not in, you didn't have this luxury of sitting in the back and then the demand was so high that everybody was coming to you. You needed to go to them, as you said, that you had this yeah. outbound approach. So how is it different today because of this situation? Mm -hmm. Maybe um, let's start with the COVID situation first, and that is the starting point of many things here. So um, two groups of companies, most probably COVID impact positive, COVID impact negative. Yes. For us, COVID accelerated e-commerce a lot, and our clients are mostly utilizing our technology uh, with the personalization of customer experiences online. So that accelerated business a lot for us. Um, then, like us, like also another business that is helping with people in the COVID circumstances um, to operate better from productivity from Zoom to insider sort of a thing that helps you on the e-commerce. So that also enable many uh, businesses uh, operating in the similar spectrum as to get invested without a market product market fit. So once that demand is gone, and once the money is less available, and once you don't have the strong product market fit, what are you going to do? I think very first thing comes from that. Demand is not necessarily at the COVID level, and many businesses not necessarily finding the product market fit. Their engine is not working, and they are depending on the external money to flow into the business is to keep them up and running. I think those are the ones that struggle the most first. Mm -hmm. Then the second thing now, obviously, um, in current current market condition, where inflation, interest rates is going up, obviously people are I think less in spending mode lately and more in saving mode. Um, that obviously impact many businesses out there, especially on the B two C side of the things. Then that impacts you or the software houses that that we are talking about yeah. out there to have less business, less budgets. What I see now, previously. Uh, that's my understanding based on the, the European conjecture out there with, with, with the market that we target. Previously, brands were doing big and small projects. Mm -hmm. Small project as to, you know, um, they could be as being experimental to figure out something within their business and they could spare a small budget for this as to figure that out, test and learn sort of an approach. Then the, the, the big project could be, for example, changing their ERP, um, anything around changing their MarTech stack. Currently, we see less of small projects, almost none exist. Most of the big projects are there. And longer sales cycles, 
CFOs are always in the loop and usually the final decision makers okay. out there to go live with something. And the conversation usually shifts from not only product capability, but also ROI forecast. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to get after spending that amount of money on your tool and comes with time to market, time to value, etc., etc. So I think it requires a bit of a different skill set not the same skill set previously because in COVID everybody was in I, I need to do something online and, and I need to do it anyway yeah 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 so sort of a mod now to as I'm going to do big projects impactful projects I'm going to take my time to figure out who is the best possible stakeholder for me to make this happen with the attack with their you know the uh, the talent etc etc and I'm going to make sure that this is aligned with my CFO so that I don't overspend so more procurement conversations uh, um, and usually RFPs. And how, so, how did this impact the talent um, acquisition in your team? I suppose mm-hmm. that for this conversation, you need to have, um, sort of say, more subject matter experts or uh, more senior uh, team members because mm-hmm. of the stakeholders that are involved and the complexity of the discussions that you that you need to have today what we have done during covid as well Rome, because it answered partially your question on that front we never overhire actually we never mm-hmm. hire something as with this, the with the market on storage sort of a circumstances so the time when the situation was here today uh, we were always very lean Mm-hmm. To be honest, as inside, we are super lean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, people see that on our LinkedIn with the number of salespeople, etc., etc. As well, uh, our approach was usually um, in 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 those deals as with big RPs, uh, which is the case with big projects. We previously didn't have Solcons. Solcon is solution consultants. Okay. So solution consultants usually they attach themselves to deal next to a con executive and they speak the technical lingo of the of the you know the, the, the counterparts. Yep. We decided to scale the team further with more technical resources, as you said, maybe the more senior resources in mind as to support our account executive to navigate the technical circumstances of the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helped us a lot as to scale uh, our deal uh, deal site like deal sizes, but also to make sure that our conversion rates as well mm-hmm. are there. Uh, but not necessarily anything around is to hire more senior people. We always believe in investing in our existing resources a lot. So we have a team, sales enablement team, or sales enablement team grow from zero people to almost seven people. Yeah, so you got into the conversation more the so-called uh, in some companies sales engineers or uh, those solution consultants so that you have these more um, more insights and more targeted solutions so also the deal i suppose uh, moves faster in a situation where uh, you know the cfo and all the procurement and technical people are are involved and maybe the account manager uh, will not know that. That's uh, that's great. Um, before we end, I just want to open one more topic. Is the this idea of the current the current customers, right? So yeah. the bringing revenue because customer lifetime value is, I think, the holy grail, and that's what we should focus on. 
um, because it's much easier to bring revenue with the current customer than bring a new customer in. Um, and if you need a proof of that, just subscribe on Adobe and then try to cancel that, uh, that particular plan and see what offers uh, you get from, from there. Did you try this, Roman? Sorry? Did you try this? Yeah, yeah, I tried it. Of course I tried it because uh, I, I wrote about it and I wanted to prove it that this is uh, how you actually do retention at the next level. You know, when you, you get three months uh, free uh, instead of canceling, right? So, Kubilai, um, give, a, give us a little bit of, uh, you know, dummies um, uh, guide on this whole idea of getting more out of your existing customers. Mm -hmm, sure. First, I think we are a bit lucky from that point of view, Romeo. So everybody could discount my opinion, keeping in mind that we are a bit lucky and I will explain what I mean by lucky. As inside, we don't operate product, we operate platform. Okay. So uh, normally, if uh, most of you talk to CMOs, right? CMO would shop maybe for three, four different tools in their tech stack inside could answer that need from a single platform. And that platform that we have built, not necessarily through acquisitions or on, uh, you know, the talent set. So the, that's why the product is very compact and could work a bit independent than others. What does it mean? It means that some of our customers, where we do land and expand, we are landing with one product that we have identified as Gap. If you go back to the conversation of the mm -hmm. Gap that we have started our conversation with, then or, or, you know, the approach is a bit different than the market. We like to over-serve them. I think that's in our DNA. We have a customer success team. We don't do professional services. We provide it as part of inside a product and make them successful, over-serving them. So our clients, uh, with the context of over-serving and with the gap in mind, whenever they figure out something is not necessarily going well within their business, and it's because of the performance of a single tech or multiple tech, then they usually come to us to ask what is our idea on that. So we are done in conversation, not necessarily it is an outbound of the existing client sort of conversation where you need to develop the demand. It's more as the vice versa. Usually they go open to us almost with an inbound context um, and tell us about their needs. Uh, what is our approach? towards that. So we have customer success team and we have what we call account managers. Customer success team is responsible for uh, retention, gross retention, or account directors are responsible for the okay. net retention. So they are responsible as to drive uh, the upsell and cross-sell uh, with our clients. Those people, we, we hire them not necessarily as salespeople, or not train them as salespeople. We train them almost as digital marketers so they can think like our clients. And we, we basically give them very strong insider product uh, understanding. Um, so um, then they can speak the lingo of the customer. So with that in mind, obviously, uh, what was our strategy, and maybe for others as well, overserve the customers, make them very successful. Uh, build relationships out there so that they can go open to you about their challenges, um, what's going on in their life. Third, uh, market condition helped us a lot. So in anyone operating in B2B, they would realize there is a consolidation going on right now. Uh, so people are trying to kill their data silos. 
They don't want to talk to multiple mm-hmm. tech vendors, not to waste their time. So they are looking not necessarily point solutions, but looking for a more consolidated view of their tech and ideally operate with less technology. And that is serving to our best interest here at Insider as well, being very open. Um, that's why I think we are lucky from that point of view. Um, and we want to drive out of every $4 that we generate as a business, we want $1 to come from mm-hmm. existing business. So um, I don't want to say the full numbers, but so you get to understand as the, yeah, the this overall is, mix this out is a good there. Point. So if you can identify um, the solution or the solutions that you can bring uh, if for your clients that can be consolidated with you versus the other providers, I think this is this is key um, insight from from Kubilai. So. If you are uh, any kind of business that can take over some other um, other solutions or other services of other smaller um, companies or smaller software, maybe you are in the agency business. Um, in an agency business, it's pretty much easy, right? Like if you are, I don't know, doing uh, PPC, maybe you now can do also SEO and maybe you can also do content. So you take over and, and, and you consolidate. Um, and this is if, if I would work in a, in a corporation and when I worked in, in Electrolux and DHL, um, we were on learning and development could be like, this is how we were trying to, to, to look at things even back then. That what company, what is the training company that can bring me multiple you know topics of trainings so i don't need to handle mainly it was for us handle so many stakeholders right because it's tiring to have you need to have uh, that many calls as many providers you have so and 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 uh, report on that and so on and so forth so it's it's um, like consuming you and it's it's uh, very good insight what you mentioned could be like Great. Thanks a lot for for this talk. I know that you have the game and you need to <laughs> you need to head to the game. I will be watching also. So good luck for uh, and you will support Galatasaray. Of course, of course. Right? I mean, Pesku, like uh, that's what I'm talking. Philip Pesku, exactly. Adrian Ilie, <laughs> Chikoldao, Olimpio, yeah, Morita. Yeah, now you now so, you guys please. have a great team. I hope that Icardi will play and uh, and uh, Saha. So they will do a good, uh, good game. Um, good luck uh, to the game. Let's uh, let's be in touch and um, tell us uh, before we end one great book that you recommend for the for the listeners that you read lately. I think I already I already mentioned throughout my chat, and then I always go back to the book. Uh, you know, once you find a great book, you read it over and over. The hard uh-huh. thing about hard things. Um, so I think anything coming from Horowitz as a person that has been done, uh, been there and done that, it's it's always nice. So and also the principles, I think something that impressed me lately uh, that I I think that I read it quite late, which is um, which is not necessarily the best possible thing that I can do, but a great great book from Rachel Ray Dalio. So that I can mention, and I would love to see you Multimask as well. Thank you for having me, buddy. And always on your disposal. You are in touch. Um, so it was a good conversation. Take Thank care you very much for that. Uh, go Galatasaray.